In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about magic baby sex boats. Perfect magic. (laughs) Choosing Adrian over the apocalypse. Flipping the rage table. And a squirrel getting carried off by an eagle and made into crotchless panties in our discussion of The Ruby Circle by Rochelle Mead. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss The Ruby Circle by Rochelle Mead. <gasps> it's the end! <gasps> the end is nigh! Standard the disclaimer. end is nigh! <laughs> If you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book, then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Yeah! It's the end! It's the end! The last book. Can you believe it? Twelve books down. No, that was so fun! I'm exhausted, but I loved every second of it. It was so fun it was it really really was i've really enjoyed the series technically it's two isn't it it is technically (laughs) no i've loved it absolutely loved it it's been a fantastic opportunity to finally finally read the vampire academy books i do not know how many times i've watched the vampire academy movie i could tell you because i am a list maker and know all movies i've watched this year um I will count. It's I've at watched, least three. I've watched it a good three or four times this year. Yeah. I've you been know, sticking not like, it on the background when I've just been like pottering about. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've been doing too. That's what I was going to say. Like I haven't sat down and watched it, but I have put it on in the background. Put yeah. it on when I take a nap. Uh-huh. It's a good one for lying on the sofa where you don't want to not go to sleep, yeah. but you want to chill down. Yeah. 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 And then just spend the entire time going, Joey Dimitri, Joey yeah. Dimitri. That Joey motherfucker. <laughs> and then every time Gabriel Burns comes on, it's victim motherfucking bastard yes. Dashgar. <laughs> um, Victor fucking goddamn son of a bitch. Dashgar. Sorry, sorry. And now we have cursed enough times to probably I'll get my t-shirt get to correct of... myself. You should, you should get the shirt. We should get the shirt. It's important. Do we need to say a Victor beep dash cough from now on? No, because it would be a really long beep. Beep. Bastard. <laughs> that would be too much. That would that would be awful. <laughs> that's the next t. That that that's the um the junior size version of the t-shirt. Just yes. Victor, and then beep. Yes, it's gonna cough. be like redacted bars. Yeah, it's gonna be good. It's going to be really good. And all it says is Victor Dashkov. <laughs> and then Rochelle Mead yeah. will come after us. <laughs> but then if she comes after us, we can be like, hey, why didn't you respond to my emails? Yeah, but then we'll just shove a microphone in her face. Exactly. And say, sorry, can you say all of this unrecorded? And can we ask yeah. a couple of questions about things? Yeah. While you're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good plan. It's a really good plan. I see no flaw. No, there's no, there's no flaw at all. 
You realize that we're not actually terrible people. We just pretend to be. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Do we have any terribly wonderful background? Is there a book trailer for this one? No. And, you know, I'm really sad because I went to my gold mine of Blue Succubus Live Journal, Mm -hmm. and there was only one Ruby Circle post. I feel like she she was giving up on Live Journal at this point. There was just one, and it was like, these are my tour dates. So I had to scour the internet and I found an article called Five Minutes with Rochelle Mead on dolly.com.au. She was asked, what was it you loved about Sydney so much that made you want to do a spinoff from Vampire Academy? And she said, I'd just spent six books writing about the world of Moroy from Rose's perspective, an insider who regarded all that vampire stuff as totally normal. I thought it'd offer a whole new look at things if we had a human's point of view, someone who thinks that the world is anything but normal. Plus, it was really fun to write someone as logical and thoughtful as Sydney after having been with a heroine as impulsive as Rose. I wanted to show you, this is the important part, and this is why I chose this quote. I wanted to show you that you can be a strong woman with your brains and your fists. All the women who are independent, throw your hands up at me. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yep. And now it's over. I know, I know, know. It's also the last episode of the year, which doesn't really mean anything to anyone because we do these every week, but still, it's the last episode of 2021. It is. It means something to me that we don't have to spend three months trying to find a New Year's related YA book again, because that was painful. That (laughs) was rough. It really was. But But we picked a great one full of cliffhangers. (laughs) That was so funny. But now we have our, in brackets, Vampire Book Club series. Are we officially just calling it Vampire Book Club now? Yeah, I don't know why we would call it anything else. Okay, Vampire Book Club makes life so much easier. It really does. And, you know, we love vampires so much. Exactly. It feels like a long time coming, but, you know, we've led up to it, and I think we've we've hit it, the sweet spot now. Yeah, yeah, we really have. I'm excited for Vampire Book Club next year. I think it's going to be great, and I think we'll probably get a lot of new listeners with this series. I'm so. like Even we if did. it's just that series, yeah. Yeah, that's fine with me, but um, I think those episodes will get a lot of, will get a lot of listens, because we're talking about... The I'm so excited. And Me the reception too. on social media has been really positive to our posts about it. There's a yeah. few the amount of people who've been I wanted to reread those. This is a brilliant excuse and it's a good time to reread it. One a month with us. Listen to our episode. And then put your own thoughts as well at the book club if you want to join the book club. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. And, I mean, I don't want to say that it's a possibility, but I feel like Charlene Harris is pretty nice. 
I've met her in real life. I was her bodyguard one time. And I feel like if she's not too busy doing a million other things, she might give us a few minutes of her time, maybe, if we ask her nicely enough. I was going to suggest that we ask now and tell her what our plan is for the book series. Mm -hmm. And that... If we can get her in any time, then, you know, we could make it near the end so it can be completely full of spoilers. Yeah. And, you know, if we can get her booked in, then we're booked in to our schedule. Yeah. The only other option is we have an exclusive group of people who heart vampires and we record a little special thing for December in the end instead of doing a line. I think that would be really, really fun. Or we do a live with everyone. Yes. That will be really fun. I would say Patreon members get the first refusal to join that as well. Yes. You know, I did that crossover event with Prince Kai FanPod and Literary Lushes and a couple of other podcasts. Why a Book Chat was there. The Book Life podcast. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And we did that on Zoom. So I know it can be done. Plus, we have done our Halloween um, special with multiple people, so... Yeah, yeah, so I think it could be really fun to get everyone involved. Yeah. Anyway. That's like a year away. It is. Well, it's probably... But we like to plan things, It's probably nine to ten months in planning in the future when we really seriously need to lay stuff down, but yeah. I think it should happen. something would be fun. Definitely. All right, so should we get into this? Our last... Yeah! The last one? Tears. Ugly sobs. It's been one month since Adrian and Sidney Ivashkov tied the knot in a surprise last-ditch effort to make the alchemists leave Sidney alone. They are cooped up at court with Daniela, Adrian's mom, and things are not going well. When Daniela goes to the feeders, Adrian plans a surprise candlelit evening for his bride to celebrate their one-month anniversary. But it's immediately ruined when Daniela comes back, turns on all the lights, complains about there being too many candles, eats their chocolates, and compliments Adrian on the flowers that he healed someone for. Jeez, Mom! Ugh! Way to ruin everything! Oh my god, what a cock block. <laughs> I know, it's so bad. <laughs> Sydney gets upset with Adrian for using his spirit magic on something so trivial, which makes both him and the voice of Aunt Tatiana blare with anger. So he storms out. Happy anniversary! Shrug. I mean, we've all had worse! Shrug. Shrug. Adrian goes to visit Queen Lyssa for permission for he and Sydney to search for Jill, who, if you remember, disappeared like magic right after the impromptu wedding. Magic. Denied. Denied. Like denied. Magic. It was denied. Lyssa says Rose and Dimitri are on it. Plus, she's not going to just let them flounce off right after she stuck her neck out to keep them safe from the alchemists. Nope. No way. Dejected, he leaves and promptly gets the shit beaten out of him by the Dablin Bros from Fiery Heart, who are still pissed at him. Dude, give it a rest, bros. <sighs> they need to get over it. They do. It's been a long time. It has. It really has. 
Luckily, Eddie and Neil come to help before too long, and they have news. Mrs. Terwilliger has come for a visit with a cat. And she left with a cat. And without a cat. Wait, I'm confused. What? <laughs> this is one of my favourite scenes from this book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Williger came to court with her cat, Mr. Bojangles, and a box that was magicked to open only for Sydney. Inside the box is a magazine ad from that time that Leah Stefano, the fashion designer, tricked Jill into modeling for her. Did you all forget about that? Because we kind of did. It was a long time ago. <laughs> but we knew it. A lot's happen. happened. A lot has happened. Also in the box is a flyer for a robot museum in Pittsburgh. That is just weird. But don't worry, it gets weirder. Phew, Since, I was worried there. I know. What's weirder than a magazine ad and a flyer for a robot museum? Since Sydney is forbidden from leaving court, Ms. Twilliger, the hero that she is, has come prepared with a pretty interesting escape plan. She teaches Sydney a complex spell that she uses to transform herself into the likeness of Mr. Bojangles. <laughs> Lilliger then leaves with a cat and without a cat. Sydney is in the cat carrier, and Mr. Bojangles now lives at court for the time being. Together, plus Eddie but minus Adrian, they leave for the robot museum. I feel like we've just done some really complex math. <laughs> yeah. With a cat, without a cat, plus Eddie, minus Adrian. <laughs> Divided by <laughs> shortly after they leave Sonia comes by she needs Adrian's help with Nina oh, great Nina oh <laughs> Nina yeah just who Adrian wants to say <laughs> Sonia is concerned about her well-being because she lost her job she stopped trying to work on the Strugoi vaccine and she can't really get anything from her it turns out that Nina hasn't slept in weeks because she's been trying to dream find her sister Olive. Do you remember Nina restored Olive from being a Strigoi and then they used some of her blood to give Neil the Strigoi vaccine tattoo and then Olive and Neil really hit it off and then she decided she needed a break and ran away. You know, the uh, whole drama. So much drama. Well, Neil, he's been pining for Olive. He really misses her. So he and Adrian agree to help. Meanwhile, Sydney, Ms. Twilliger, and Eddie... Oh, Sydney is a human again, P.S. Uh, they go to the <laughs> robot museum. Again. I wish... You know, what if... What if the whole rest of the book, Sydney, was a cat? That would be... <laughs> that would make the book even better. <laughs> that would be superb. Everywhere. Okay, so... They go to the robot museum. Nah, none of them are cats. They scope out the place during open hours, and Eddie has a very interesting conversation with one of the workers about a giant <laughs> raptor bot that starred in some movies that now resides in the museum. <laughs> they break in after hours to do some magical searching and find a clue inside the raptor bot, but then they are attacked by Photianas, which are angry magic fireflies. They fight off all the fireflies and then look at the clue. 
It's an envelope with a sandstone brick inside, a map of the Missouri Ozarks, and a lock of Jill's hair. <gasps> dum, dum, dum. Rose, who is no longer searching for Jill, comes by to take Adrian and Sydney, who is sleeping, to see the Maroi training to fight. Christian is leading the fire users and Maya is leading the water users. And it's it's pretty cool. But then he leaves to meet up with Nina. They oh. dream together to find Olive. And they do, but the dream is weird. Olive, a dampier, is controlling the dream somehow. But that's not a thing. How? Nina and Adrian have to use a bunch of spirit magic to fight a lava monster. And by the time they defeat it, Olive makes the dream end. Just before that happens, Nina forces the dream to show them all of surroundings, which is also something new, but it's still not helpful as they didn't defeat the lava monster in time to get any real info from Olive. They'll just have to try it again. Adrian doesn't want to because fighting Olive's dream monsters uses a bonkers amount of magic, <laughs> and Sydney really doesn't like him using his magic since he's slowly going crazy from it, but he agrees anyway. For a price. For a price. Hope he sends like a proper invoice. He should. Didn't, you know didn't, his stationery would be good. Yeah, and you know, he made that PowerPoint presentation. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's done a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty smart. Okay, anyway. Sydney, Eddie, and Mr. Williger get to Missouri, but they make sure to stay away from St. Louis and the Alchemist facility there. They stop at a restaurant and use the, the sandstone brick as a centerpiece, which the waitress recognizes as being from a castle in the Ozarks. It's called Haha Tonka, and it's a real place. So that's where they head next. But wouldn't you know it? When they stop at a gas station, freaking Jared and Zoe Sage are there. Uh, uh, Zoe sees Sydney and asks her if she was really tortured in re-education. And Sydney's like, uh, yeah. And then Zoe tells them to run. Oh. Weird. At Hahatanka. Ms. Williger and Sydney, but not Eddie, can see the next clue high up on the wall in the castle. It's a golden brick. Eddie, invisible by magic, led by Sydney's descriptions, climbs the wall to retrieve it. Mm. I just really wish that I could see Eddie scaling the wall of this building and burgling like, bricks. Like Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he could do it. Yeah. So, this day at a campsite that night, and while Eddie's on watch, the golden brick starts to melt and burn, and then it attacks. Oh, no. Sydney and Ms. Twilliger use ice spells to stop it. The gold freezes in the shape of a lake, and guess where it is? Palm Springs. Mm. Oh. Then the frozen gold puddle explodes into razor blades. Wait, haven't we seen a razor blade attack before? Sydney starts a protection spell and so does Miss Twilliger, but they're not fast enough. Luckily, Adrian, Adrian. is gone. 
He, after getting Nina's help to escape court, is payment for his agreeing to dream with her again in the future, waltzes out of the woods just in time to save them from being shredded. Ah, timing. Adrian! (laughs) Sydney finally realises who it is that is after them. Has everyone else figured that out as well? Oh, me, 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 me! Who is it? Who is it? It's Alicia! (gasps) Remember when Sydney threw magic razors at her in Mr. Williger's burning house? (laughs) Hey! Hey! She survived! And has kidnapped Jill in retaliation. Dang it. (laughs) Mr. Williger agrees that it is Alicia and believes that Alicia has been sending them on this ridiculous scavenger hunt to weaken Sydney magically. Thanks for the explanation, because it made no sense. <laughs> she says she'll get the Stell, the coven Sydney joined, to do some reconnaissance, and Eddie goes with her to help. Sydney and Adrian need to stay in hiding, so they split up. Finally, Adrian and Sydney can be alone again. Oh. And they immediately go to a bed and breakfast where they are attacked by a squirrel and then have sex. <laughs> the, the squirrel lives at the bed and breakfast as a sort of a mascot. And when it surprises Sydney in the shower, they let it out into the wild and we never hear from it again. And the, 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 the receptionist explicitly said that the squirrel has never been outside and wouldn't know what to do. No. You killed the squirrel. That squirrel would die. What did that squirrel do to anyone other than startle them? Exactly, the squirrel killers. <laughs> After the lovemaking and sort of fight between Sydney and Adrian about Adrian wielding too much spirit magic, Adrian falls asleep and Nina pulls him into a dream. But, oh no, he just promised Sydney he wouldn't do this again. <laughs> well, he does, and he and Nina fight Dreamstragoy to get to Olive. And Nina uses way too much power, setting them all on dream fire. As she crumples to the ground, screaming, her mind completely shattered. Adrian manages to see Olive before the dream dissolves. Oh, she's wearing a cloak and a weird necklace. And, uh, yeah, she's pregnant. Oh! What? Adrian and Sydney talk to Lissa and Rose and Dimitri about everything that's going off. Dimitri, having grown up in a Dampier commune, recognises a sketch of Olive's necklace that Adrian made as a commune symbol and finds out where it is. They also talk about kind of knowing where Jill might be or at least who has her, but it's not enough information for Lissa to really do anything with just yet. Ooh. 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 Rose and Dimitri meet up with Adrian and Sydney, and they go to the commune where they think Olive is hiding, and she's there. So is Adrian's uncle, slash Dimitri's dad. <gasps> Shock! Twist! What? <gasps> what? Dimitri never knew his father's last name because he only visited when he wanted to bang Dimitri's mom, and then Dimitri punched him, so he stopped going. Remember all that from Vampire Academy? It happened a long, long time ago, but we told you all about it. (laughs) Everyone, including Adrian and Dimitri, is shocked to find out they are cousins. 
Uncle Dad Randall is pretty shitty to everyone and is at the commune drunkenly debauching more Dom Piers, and we all wish that Dimitri would punch him again. But he doesn't because... <sighs> There's a Strigoi attack. <sighs> Dang it. Olive runs off into the woods, has the baby, and then dies. But not before revealing that Neil is the baby's father. What? Shock. Twist again. <gasps> Twist again. Ooh. And now, since she was restored with spirit magic, apparently she can have a baby with another dampier, which is not something that has ever happened before. She names the baby Declan and gives him to Adrian, which means something very significant in Dampier Commune. Whoever you give your baby to is considered its guardian in the untimely event of your immediate death. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so happy they have that rule. You know, they've laid that one down. And it's a good thing they know Neil and can safely deliver the miracle baby to his actual father. <laughs> Can you tell I started getting a little fed up writing this summary? <laughs> so full of sarcasm. This th- That entire part, I need to address certain things. Yeah. After this, they call up Daniela and convince her to go to Clarence's house in Palm Springs to help take care of this baby. They don't tell Neil the truth about him just yet, though. Then they meet up with Eddie and Miss Williger and the Stell, plus Trey Juarez, and begin to make a plan to get Jill back. They search the lake that the golden brick clue led them to, but didn't turn up anything. Miss Williger kind of thought that would happen, since all these extra people are involved, and it's not just Sydney going on a wild magic draining goose chase. Mm. Alicia probably got thrown off and will probably do something unexpected. All the witches are angry at Alicia, so they all want to help defeat her, which is good. Mr. Willier wants Sydney to be safe, so she suggests that she stop by Wolf's to get some guns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Adrian goes back to Clarence's to be with his mom and secret baby Declan, while Sydney and Eddie go to Wolf's. <laughs> and something unexpected happens instead of being shocked by a sea of chihuahuas and a grizzly but helpful wolf they are met by explosions in Alicia dang oh, it Sydney asks where Jill is but Alicia says something weird about them never seeing her again and how she has to listen to psalms then they get to an epic magic battle during which Alicia freezes Eddie. In between throwing fireballs and mirror shields and water spells, Wolf's place catches on fire. I expect it's very flammable, you know. Oh, I'm sure just it go is. up like uh, yes. in the box. And then there's a sea of flaming chihuahuas. Well, exactly, because they attack. Yeah. Alicia tries to trap Sydney inside the burning compound, but luckily Sydney is really smart, and when Alicia tries to freeze her with the same spell she used on Eddie, Chihuahua's attack. Chihuahua's uh, <laughs> attack again. <laughs> this is all Chihuahua attacks. It really, there are so many. And Sydney uses Alicia's mirror charm against her, freezing her with her own spell. This is a very confusing but very epic battle. It really is. Wolf and Sydney pull the frozen Eddie and Alicia out of the fire just as help arrives. 
Firefighters come and so do Ms. Twilliger, Adrian Trey and a bunch of other witches. They unfreeze Eddie and have plans to unfreeze Alicia, although it would be really convenient just to leave her like that. But they need to find out more about Jill. Trey says, not so fast. He thinks, based on the Psalms clue, that Alicia gave Jill to the Warriors of Light. Son of a bitch. God damn, those stupid warriors. They decide to leave Alicia frozen for a couple of days to drain her of her magic, with plans to have Adrian compel answers from her after they unfreeze her. In the meantime, they meet up with Marcus and his friend Sabrina, who you may remember from the beginning of Bloodlines, who is undercover with the Warriors of Light. They make a plan to get Sydney and Eddie in with the Warriors, who often have recruitments, and Sabrina is going to help. Adrian contacts Lissa and tells her that they think the Warriors have Jill and asks if she can get the alchemists to investigate. But Lissa doesn't think anything will come of it. Unfortunately, the alchemists, who are always looking for Marcus and now Sydney, have found them. And there's another high-speed chase scene like from Silver Shadows. They manage to get away and to a safe house with one of Marcus's friends, who happens to be a pot-dealing hippie. Nice. At the hippie's house, Adrian talks to Lissa again, who says the alchemists know Sydney is on the run and they can't really help find Jill without real hard evidence that the warriors have her. Hopefully, Sydney and Eddie will have that soon. He arrives then with some of the witches and they make a potion to make Sydney super strong and then they change her appearance and Eddie's. They used to pretend to be twins at Amberwood and now they're at it again. They also have a Twilight Newborn <laughs> Vampire Bella versus Emmett style arm wrestling match in which Sydney almost beats Eddie. But doesn't. Yeah. No one punches or kicks apart from any giant boulders. I'm just going to let you calm down for a second. She's really lost it. It's great. <laughs> So no one punches or kicks apart from any giant boulders. After this, Sabrina, Sydney and Eddie head out for the Warriors compound and Adrian goes with the witches to unfreeze Alicia. I can really tell at this point you're like, <laughs> fuck it. But that's exactly what happens. Why, why when you get strong, do you all of a sudden have to have arm wrestling matches with everyone? It's, I don't know. It's some kind of unwritten rule. <laughs> It's like when I hand you a baby, you are instantly the guardian if I am dead. Oh, yes, when you immediately die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta have your rules. At the Warriors of Light compound, before they can sneak around and find out about Jill, Sydney and Eddie, or Fiona and Fred, have to compete in violent flag football-style competitions in which they have to beat up others and steal heart necklaces. Fred Eddie has no trouble in being one of the winners of his competition, but Fiona Sidney struggles a bit. Six males will be allowed to go on to the next stage of joining the Warriors, but only two females will be selected. And, well, even with her arm wrestling potion, Sidney only wins by cleverness. Instead of fighting the other girls, she waits until the very last minute, punches the winner of the boys' round, and steals his hearts. Clever, but risky. Luckily, it pays off. Nice. 
When they are sent to rest for the evening, Sydney makes herself invisible and searches the compound. She comes across a meeting of the leaders of the Warriors and hears them mention a girl that is definitely Jill and also some shady dealings with the alchemists involving those performance-enhancing tattoos from book one. If she had that kind of info to give the alchemists, she might be able to buy her freedom. So later she releases some Fortianas, causing the Warriors to think the apocalypse has begun <laughs> and steals the laptop they're using to take notes. This is amazing. This is epic. <laughs> She does have to punch out the leader of the Warriors in order to get it, but it was totally worth it. She, Eddie, and Sabrina flee from the apocalyptic chaos and take the laptop to Marcus. (laughs) This is ridiculous. I love it. I love how ridiculous this book is. It's almost slapstick. I know, it really is. You know, there's no Angeline in this book. There's no Angeline at all, so... There has the slapstick has to come in from somewhere else. It's like she's infused it. She's yeah. they've infused Angeline across the entire narrative. Yeah, they really have. I mean, she she was mentioned very, very, very briefly at the beginning of the book by Trey. He's like, oh yeah, she's studying for her classes. That's not Angeline. <laughs> no. Anyway. Marcus and his hippie friend crack into the laptop with zero trouble and find out about the compound where Jill is being held, except for its location. And uh, they find out a lot of juicy alchemist details that Sydney uses to her advantage. She calls up her old alchemist boss, Stanton, and offers her the names of four alchemists who are selling the tattoo secrets to the warriors. Two now and two later. If Stanton agrees to help them rescue Jill, leave her and Adrian alone, leave the rest of the people who broke out of re-education alone, and stop re-education altogether. Stanton doesn't think she'll be able to pull all that off, but she agrees to try. Mm. While all that was happening, Adrian was met by Sonia in the spirit dream. She showed Adrian that Nina's mind is completely broken and they don't think she'll ever recover. It was the same thing that happened to Avery Lazar in Vampire Academy. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. Probably the same thing that's going to happen to Adrian too, unless he lives off the spirit use himself. But he can't do that. He's got to go with the witches to unfreeze Alicia and compel her. Neil picks him up and they go to just do that. Neil meets baby Declan, but doesn't know he's his son. And Adrian doesn't want to tell him that, hey, that's your kid. You have a miracle son that you had with another dampier that you loved. He was now dead and he died trying to keep the miracle baby from being discovered because surely everyone in the world wants to experiment on him. <laughs> wow, that's a big secret. It's not a good conversation. That's not going to be a good conversation later on. No. But it's going to have to happen. No. Anyway. The witches unfreeze Alicia and Adrian uses a ton of spirit magic to compel her and learns that the warriors are keeping Jill in a compound in Utah. Alicia is frozen again and then Adrian has the dreaded conversation with Neil who decides he never wants to see Declan again. Side note, I imagine Alicia is frozen in carbonite like Han Solo in Star yes. Wars. Yes. And that is my canon. Yes, that's the only appropriate way to freeze someone. Yes. When Adrian and Sydney get together again after all this craziness is over, 
They put all their information together and make plans with the alchemists and guardians to rescue Jill. They also try to convince Neil to take responsibility for his son, but he's afraid if anyone sees them together, they'll realize that he and Olive had a magic baby, and Sonia and the others will want to experiment on him. He remains steadfast in his decision to not be a part of Declan's life. Adrian and Sydney have plans to tell Rose and Dimitri about Declan since, you know, they're in the same Dompier, restored Dompier potential magic baby sex boat. Mm. But they don't tell them yet. Oh. First, they have to rescue Jill. Parties. Magic baby sex boat. <laughs> Giggle. That's when my everyone... favorite line from this summary. <laughs> when everyone, alchemists and guardians, gathers at the Utah Warriors compound, Jared and Zoe Sage are there. Jared is an absolute shitbag. <laughs> Gotta hate that man. But Zoe is much better. It seems she's trying to get out of their father's control, though she still wants to be an alchemist. Just a less shitty one. <laughs> The teams of alchemists and guardians get into the compound and put everything into lockdown and it seems things are going very well and they'll be able to release Jill with no trouble. But then, of course, there is trouble. The wing of the <laughs> compound where she is being held is spelled with magic. Dang it. Time to send Sydney. And Adrian too, because he's not letting her go alone. Rose and Dimitri are there too, and Eddie and Neil. Dimitri guides them in past landmines... <laughs> And then they get to the corridor, which is protected by a hydra-like multi-headed demon that spits acid. Good times. Mm -hmm. Sydney will fight the demon with magic fire. Rose will sneak past it to find Jill. Eddie, Neil and Adrian will be back up in case something goes wrong with the demon. What could go wrong? It's an acid-spitting multi-headed hydra-like demon. (laughs) You call that Saturday night. Things go well for a little while, and Rose manages to get Jill out while Sydney battles the demon. Adrian tries to heal Jill, but Jill stops him, knowing that during this whole book, he's been struggling with his spirit use and that his Aunt Tantiana has been running a commentary through his head the whole time, meaning that he's seriously about to lose his mind. All she needs is a feeder and for someone to go back to another area of the compound where more prisoners are being held. Rose and Eddie take Jill to a feeder, and Neil goes off to rescue the others, leaving Adrian to stay with the demon-battling Sydney. And things immediately get bad. I mean, they're already pretty bad, but seriously. Sydney is about to get eaten and or covered with acid spit. So Adrian summons all his spirit and compels the demon to stop mid-attack. This is way too much spirit. So much that he doesn't recognise Sydney when she tells him he can stop using his compulsion. She defeats the demon, but Adrian is still raging with spirit. Somehow, Sydney manages to break through to him, saving him from complete mental breakdown. They leave the compound and get Adrian to the feeder too. Oh, yeah. That was that was a rough scene. Outside, Sydney is greeted by Stanton, who stays true to her word about leaving everyone who escaped from re-education alone and trying to stop re-education. But that's not going so well. She's going to at least try to reform it, so that's something. 
Sydney gives her the other two names and promises more information from the Warrior Laptop, and now their deal is complete. She and Adrian will be able to live happily ever after. But then Jared Sage comes up, saying that if he were in charge, she'd never be free. But, well, he's not in charge. Also, she kept something secret from Stanton. There were actually five people dealing in tattoos with the warriors, and one of them just so happens to be Jared Sage. (gasps) She told him that she won't tell Stanton if he allows Zoe some freedom to see their mother again. He doesn't like being blackmailed, but we're all pretty sure he'd like re-education less. God, he's such an asshole. I know he's the worst. It seems that things are wrapping up nicely now. Adrian didn't lose his mind, yay, and he and Sydney are free to live their lives. Woohoo! Eddie and Jill are a thing again, (laughs) which is also a happy event despite their age difference, and Dimitri and Rose found the other Maroi trapped in the compound thanks to Neil. But wait! Where is he? Where has Neil gone? Uh-oh, he's disappeared. They all go back to Clarence's and it turns out Neil stopped by. He saw his baby and left a note for Adrian and Sydney, telling them that Declan is their baby now and maybe one day he'll be able to come back into his life. Uh, thanks, mate? Gee. About a year later, things really are going well. Adrian, Sydney, and Declan, plus Daniela, for whatever fucking reason, get your own house, you stupid whore. Um, <laughs> sorry, what? About a year Someone later, has feelings. Things... I just, I can't stand it. She's a waste of space. She really, she should she have just stay in the jail. She should have. Let me start over. About a year later, things really are going well. Adrian, Sydney, and Declan plus Daniela, with Eddie as their guardian, live together in a cute little Victorian house. They're caring for the baby that they pretend is theirs, which everyone believes since no one really knew about Olive, and, you know, they were in hiding for in court for so long, and then they all suddenly disappeared. It kind of makes sense. Just don't do the math. With Clarence's financial assistance, Sydney is in college just like she always wanted and works at a museum, and Adrian, back on his mood stabilizers, has a job as a preschool art teacher. So many pasta pictures. It's so perfectly adorable. (laughs) Jill, Dimitri, and Rose come by their little house for Christmas dinner, and we learn that Rose and Dimitri are engaged. (gasps) But they don't plan on getting married anytime soon, especially since Christian hasn't proposed to Lissa yet. After dinner, Adrian and Sydney go to their bedroom where they talk about their old escape plans and how they don't need them anymore because they've already escaped into the perfect life. (sighs) With a magic baby. Yeah. Take a break. Take a break Definitely. before the rage. Take a yeah, break yeah, before yeah. the rage. Rage break. Yeah. Rage break. Rage break. Rage break. Rage break. Rage break. 
These days, more authors are including mental health content in their books. But do you ever wonder how accurate some of this stuff is? Or do you ever read something where you know the author just gets it? I'm Elise. And I'm Priscilla. And we are Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss mental health issues in fiction novels. We are psychologists and book lovers, and we have a lot of opinions. So look for Novel Feelings wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to your show. Do you get all your rage out? No. Oh, no, because that's coming up now. That's, yes. that's coming up now. Yes. Yes. I'm just going to get the negatives out of the way first. Okay. This book disappointed me. Yeah. It was a letdown to the series. Book five was better. Yeah. But it seems to be a pattern with the Rochelle Mead books. The sixth book in the Vampire Academy series was the weakest. And book six in Bloodlines is the weakest. There are things in it that happened. Lost me interest. And I had to re-listen to it. Took me longer to listen to Ruby Circle than I did any of the other books. And it's the shortest one. Exactly. Um, granted, I didn't have that long period of sit-down time in the office where I've, you know, thankfully been able to do it with the changes in the lockdown situation within the UK. Um, but still, you know, I would l- be up till the wee early hours of the morning listening to them because, God damn, I need to know what happens next. Um, but I found myself falling asleep to this. Which kind of says a lot. Mm. But there are things that happen in the book that I'm not happy with. So I'm guessing the same for you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to start us off? Why wouldn't they just fucking leave Olive alone? Yes. That was the most frustrating yes. thing to me, which, of course, then spurred on other frustrating moments. But if they had just left Olive alone, the magic baby stuff wouldn't have happened. Like, yes. here, take this baby. This is exactly what you wanted and exactly what you are prepared for to just all of a sudden have a baby that you have to care for for in the next, you know, 18, 20 years of your life. Yeah. But... It was so frustrating to me every time we saw Nina, which I fucking hate Nina. We see Nina and she's like, but I have to get Olive. I have to get to Olive. Like, dude, Olive ran away from you. Yeah. And now there's a reason she's left. Yeah. And now you're trying to track her in a dream and she is controlling spirit dreams now, which I can only assume has to do with the magic baby. Yeah. But she's developed this ability to control spirit dreams to make you leave her alone. And every single time she's like, why are you here again? Please leave me alone. Stop it. Stop coming after me. Live your life. Get over it. Leave Mm -hmm. me alone. And she's like, no, I can't. And I hated it. I hated those scenes. Yeah. Yeah. I, Nina wasn't too bad a character for me in the last book. She needed a friend, and Adrian was that friend, and she misread Adrian's friendship for something more. And yeah, then, and then she tried to sexually take advantage of him. No. Yeah. Hate and Nina. At that point, I lost it. Like, if she just 
being the person who'd gone through something very traumatic and just needed a friend, then that's fine. And that's all she needed to be. But she got turned into some horrible character who, in the end of the day, was pointless. And yeah, Olive left of her own free will. She wasn't forced to leave court. She wasn't forced to leave you, Nina. She's a grown-ass woman. Let her make her own decisions. If you can't reach her in the dream, if she's so powerful in her will to be able to assert dominance in the dream that you should be controlling, to push you out and to keep you away, that's a freaking huge sign to fuck off. Yeah. And I hated it. I hated it. And you've mentioned the baby. I freaking hate that baby. Yep. I hate that baby with a fiery, fiery passion. Yeah. And, okay, this has happened a few times in YA books. And I'm going to just list another one that's happened in, which pisses me off no end, and it's Twilight. Why is it they suddenly think, oh, we have this young couple, we have this boy and this girl who get married, then they must need and want a baby. They must have to have a baby to complete their family unit. No. 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 It is not correct. You do not have to get married if you do not want to. You do not have to have a child if you do not want to. You don't have to have a pet if you do not want to. There are no standards and norms. And that feels forced. And I hate it. And I hate the fact it's this miracle baby. Why all of a sudden... And this is the bit that gets me. The fact that she's basically written down that spirit healed olive you are seeing inherently dampiers are not complete because they cannot have a baby with another dampier and that through the spirit magic they've healed the, her womb in order to be able to accept the sperm from another dampier that to me is bullshit and i'm raging at that idea because for me you never ever force people to have a baby when they do want to have one and if Olive wanted to have a child that's wonderful and that's fine and that's her decision but it feels like it's this horrible stereotype forced image that you are only complete if you have used your womb to carry a child and that is wrong and bullshit yeah I don't love it I hate it and I'm sorry for swearing so much because I'm raging about it but I I and I'm saying this as a parent as well. I didn't want to have a child until I wanted to have a child. You couldn't have forced a child onto me. I would have run a million miles. Um, so don't do it to other people and don't write it into the books where you're going to influence younger children and young women and boys and anybody else and all the other ge- the spectrums of the gender to say that you are incomplete as a family if you don't have a child. And that's the way I've interpreted it. Other people may have interpreted differently, but I do not like that introduction of the child. For me, it's the Renesmee in Twilight. It's forced. Yeah, there was a lot of there were a lot of Twilight references in this oh, one. God, and it wasn't even good. <laughs> no, um, I mean I I forced some of the Twilight references in. I mean they were there though. When you've written them into the yeah. summary, I was like, um, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. 
even the car scene for me was a bit, you know, odd to Midnight Sun, like, well. But Midnight Sun came out after that. Midnight Sun afterwards. It, it's it's the Twilight car scene that we didn't really properly see. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm with you there. I was expecting sparkly vampires at some point. <laughs> I know. Um, I don't... Uh, I, and I agree with everything that you're saying, but I really don't like that all of this situation was forced on Sydney. I mean, you know, they they got surprise married at the end of the last book, which, granted, was like a ploy to keep the alchemists away from Sydney. And, you know, they probably wouldn't have gotten married if all of this other stuff had happened. They probably wouldn't have gotten married yet because Sydney the meticulous planner that she is, had a different life plan. And now everything's just She would have liked her family to be there. Yeah. I mean, her family was shitty, except for her Her mom. mom. Her mom and and Carly, yeah. But I I didn't like that for, you know, just based on how Sydney feels about it. Yeah. You know, she's she's okay with it. It's fine. They would have gotten married anyway, but she kind of sprung it on me. And now this surprise baby, magic baby sex boat, they, like, yeah, she probably might have wanted kids later on. Yeah. Her own children with her own husband, not, not this magic baby that was just kind of dumped on them but of course they're not terrible human beings so they're going to take care of the baby yeah but but i don't like it no no i agree with you wholeheartedly 100 percent. what you just said i agree I don't like it. The, the, the thing is adrian and sydney have never had time to be a couple because palm springs they couldn't live together. They lived separately. And it was and it all secret. Them... It was all it secret. Was... It was all hidden. Exactly. It was all hidden. And if anything was to happen with Jill, she was their priority. You know, there was so much going on with everything else that they had no time to be a couple. And then Sydney's kidnapped and held hostage by the alchemists. You can't have a long distance relationship in those situations. Uh-uh. And then they're free. But then they get married. And then they have to go to court. And Where live they with live with mother, Daniela. Who's horrible. Oh my God. She is such a leech. Get a job, yeah. Daniela. Get a job. Yeah. I mean, and- bravo for standing up and leaving your shitty ass husband. But leave your yeah. son alone. And you can't tell me that she didn't realize what she walked in on. Oh, when... she knew. And she's just like, oh, I'm going to eat your chocolates. Oh, I'm going to blow out all your candles. What, did the power go out? Like, No, you know. she knew. You know for a fact she reads Bodice Rippers. She's got a library full of mills and booms. She knows exactly what situation she was walking in on, even if it was, oh, is this some kind of human thing? Um... Yeah, Daniela is a shitty person and they have to live with her for the first month of their marriage and then go on the search for Jill again 
and now the family can live together and be a couple but it's with his mother again i'm sorry but that's not right she needs to assert her own independence and adrian needs to push her out she should not be living with them no no she is she's fully capable it's not like oh she's she's my aging mother and i have to take care of her because she can't care for herself no she's just a spoiled bitch who can't do anything on her own why can't she go and live with clarence for a bit yeah you know hang out hang out at clarence's clarence has He's all the money room. in the world you know he would enjoy his company yeah and i mean he's he's got a bunch of money and clearly she's into money so you know marry clarence <laughs> yeah i just that when it got to the end i thought oh finally we're gonna find out sydney's gonna be in college at last what's Adrian going to be doing and okay Eddie's there as their guardian I'm fine with that because Eddie will not keep his distance because he'll want to have his own you know right and that's I mean and that's and that's expected in in this universe you know if you're a royal Maroi you have a guardian that is with you all the time exactly and in this situation they need it and it's Eddie you know it's fine Eddie's fine but Daniela no. no no get out of there fucking hate her i can't stop swearing i'm so angry it's a, it, i'm more i'm disappointed i'm really disappointed um the last book was phenomenal silver shadow was amazing mm-hmm. i was so excited to finally get to ruby circle and we had, you know, a couple of big books to read in between. And, you know, I won't let myself jump forward in our schedule. So when I finally got a chance to listen to it, I'm so excited. And I feel really let down by it. But yeah. there were standout moments of brilliance. Yeah, of course. There were a lot of great things. Before we talk about those good things that we, that we really enjoyed, can I just say that um, when I was searching for background info, I read a lot of things that that said like uh, she was trying to tie up all the loose ends. No, there were so many dangling ends left out. Like, did the laws pass? Yeah. What happened with Sheridan? Sheridan's this big evil alchemist person, and nothing, nothing happened with that. She went to Stanton, which I understand, but also I need yeah. some resolution to and Sheridan. What's, and what's going on with the alchemists now? Are they like actually stopping their re-education or, well, it's an idea. Uh-huh. How, how terrible are the alchemists? Have the warriors been completely squashed? And, you know, what's Zoe's situation? What about the witches uh-huh it's like there were all these vague ideas of things that could happen but it was no it was nothing was tied up like are they just gonna keep alicia frozen in the wine cellar dungeon yeah oh she's she's we have a thing we have a we have systems like well what are they what's gonna happen yeah. to her this Two, she, do you remember? Oh god, I think it was like after the third book 
we sat and we listed all of the stuff that is so far unanswered. I'm like, okay, she's going to wrap this up. She, you know, with Vampire Academy, there was a fairly good job of wrapping up all those loose ends. Mm-hmm. So I had confidence, but it hasn't happened in this one. There's, like you say, too many loose ends. What's gone on? Yeah, and... I, I'm, I'm assuming the law passed because Lissa was... No... No, sorry, I had had half a half a thought thinking, well, if Lissa's still queen, then did the law pass, but we don't know. We don't know if right, the law passed. Know. But I am pleased that we found out that Rose and Dimitri got engaged. Yes. And I am also pleased that they're not getting married anytime soon because that's not what either of them really wants. Exactly. I mean Dimitri wants it, but He you respects know, Rose. He respects Rose and, and her opinions. So I'm pleased with that. I'm pleased we got that wrap up. But their story has ended. I didn't need to know that. I didn't need to know about Dimitri's father being Adrian's uncle. Like that had that came out of absolutely nowhere. There was no lead up to that. There was no hints. Nothing. Boom. Yeah. Revelation. You know, if there had been. If there had been one mention, which maybe there was, but I don't know, of his of Adrian's uncle, Rand, and Dimitri's father being called Randall, then maybe I could see that we needed to have this in. But well, even- we know his dad is nothing. So why why did we need to know who he is? I kind of expected, like... I was trying to think back. Have we have we had a a moment where they've talked about Adrian and Dimitri looking similar? But no, they're not because they're kind of polar opposites, aren't they? I mean, they both have dark hair. Okay, so does a vast population of the world. Yeah, they're both tall, but uh, all the Maroi are tall. Yeah. No, there was nothing, nothing, and I'm not, I'm not unhappy with that because I thought ha, that's kind of funny actually. Yeah. Um, but it just but, seemed unnecessary. It seemed like an unnecessary yes. loose end to tie up because it wasn't. It was well, it wasn't a loose end at all because no. I didn't need to know at all who Dimitri's father was. No, because he's I, no one. We learned no one. this already. We learned that he is an unimportant asshole. And he literally shows up, is an asshole to absolutely everybody. We find out they're cousins and then he pisses back off again. Yeah. It's pointless. It was, yeah. it was, it was, unne- it was just, it, for me, it was the biggest surprise mm. to happen in the book. Mm-hmm. But it was needless. See, it wasn't, anything. it wasn't a surprise for me because I have already read this series and I knew it. Yeah. So it wasn't a surprise for me. But do you know what I was surprised by? Which can then tie back into standout moments, since we're all over the place with this one because we just keep rage tabling everything. Um, I forgot that Sydney turned into a cat. (laughs) (laughs) And I loved it. I loved that she turned into a cat. It uh, It was fantastic. It was a good bit of magic. It was funny. I loved that she turned into a cat. Yes. That was probably actually one of the highlights of the book. Right. And then there were 
the conversations that they had via text afterward and Adrian's like, is my wife still a cat? You know, and Eddie is texting like, yeah, she's still a cat, but it's not going to last for very long. Miss T says it's going to, it's going to end soon. And then she does text and he's like, so what's, uh, you know, how are you feeling? She's like, well, I really want to chase laser pointers. <laughs> so good. And then he, and then he says, I love you. And she says, I meow you too. Like, it's so good. He's like, whoops. <laughs> not meow you I love you like, that's wonderful that was my favorite scene in the entire book because she turned into a cat I enjoyed that and Wolf's um, massive volume of attacking chihuahuas yes I, I love I love that he was like I'm sorry it took me so long to get here to help you but she tied me up and I had to wait for my chihuahuas to chew through the ropes <laughs> I love Wolf. Oh, honestly. Wolf is just the best. He is. He really is. And, you know, what happened with Wolf and Ms. Twilliger? Did Are they, you know, still a happy couple with a sea of flaming chihuahuas? <laughs> I mean, this wow. is the information that I need to know the answer yeah. to. Well, that's it. Were they a couple or were they just friends with extra benefits? I don't know. Maybe that is what they were. But, you know, when when Miss Twilliger got the box that was meant for Sydney to open from Alicia that started this whole goose chase, she did say, I thought it would be from Malachi. So, she was I mean, expecting he's... some sexy underwear or something like she that. Was. No. She was. Do you think it, it would be a sexy underwear, but it would have like a holster on the garter belt? And it would be camo. Yes, or it would be like, yeah, it would be camo with like an eagle on. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they're but they're crotchless, so the eagle's mouth is open. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's the loose end I need tied up, though. And you know, did the laws pass? Yeah. It's very frustrating. That's really the most important thing. That's why this series started. Uh-huh. And we don't know. And we don't know. I mean, I, we can assume. I'm so... But. Given all that's happened, I mean, is that even a safe assumption? We don't know. Because the thing is, when we've met Lissa in Bloodlines, being Queen Lissa, it's always been... You know, we've had one moment of her being on the throne as Queen Lissa. Mm-hmm. And that was when in Silver Shadows we find out that they find out that Sydney and Adrian have married and she's in her, you know, official role with the alchemists being there. But all the other time it's behind closed doors and it's a private conversation that you know, with cousin Lissa. Yeah. So we we don't know what her situation is. It's tenuous, obviously, because she's so young and still within a very short period of time of our reign. But we don't know, and that's so frustrating. Yeah. Because it literally is the entire purpose of this uh-huh. series. It's why Sydney had to go to Palm Springs. It's why Jill has to go to Palm Springs. It's why Jill and Adrian have to have the shadow yeah, it's kiss. It's why bond. they have their bond. so frustrating nothing nothing yeah it's so frustrating (sighs) okay 
I'm so can I apologize for not being more positive about this book? I was all prepared to sit and listen to the Ruby Circle and just be overwhelmed with girlish giggles and giddiness and just be happy that Sydney and Adrian are going to eventually get the happy ending because they have to and the alchemist is going to get brought down and Jill's going to get to be able to go home to her mum because the the law is going to be passed and this is going to be safe in our sovereignty and it's going to be nice and there was just so much that annoyed me yeah it was like all it, it was like a desperate attempt to go oh crap i've got all this stuff i haven't resolved yet let's mash it all into this book like alicia and the warriors and the alchemists and even you know like throw and then throwing random stuff in like dimitri and adrian are cousins let's have a baby neil well you know he can avoid any paternal authority um, responsibility and he can just go off and kill some strugoi it's fine is it though that was really frustrating for me neil because i mean yeah you think well we're both dumb here so it's impossible for us to have children but impossible things happen a lot and you have to take responsibility you have to and i hate that he's just like oh well adrian and senior here oh wait he's british Adrian and Sydney are here to take care of my child, so I'll just fuck off and do whatever I please. Like, no! Stop it. That's not okay. That's not not okay. You can't just give... Like, they've got enough shit that they're dealing with. They don't need the magic baby. They don't. It's... Wildly frustrating. Yeah, I I don't love the magic baby. The only thing I love about Magic Baby is that Magic Baby Sex Boat became a thing because of it. Yeah. But we... Did we did we meet? We didn't, yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Um. Oh, there was one other scene that I really, really enjoyed. Because I, you know, as much as we're, like, completely talking about every single thing that we hate, I still enjoyed the book. And, you know, more or less. Not, like... Not it's as not much my favorite. as any, yeah, not as much as any other book in this entire twelve book set. But I still, I did still enjoy it. Oh yeah, I really liked the Warriors of Light thinking that it was the apocalypse. <laughs> God, the idiots! The Warriors of Stupid Strike Again. I liked that. It's the best. The ridiculous bits were probably the best bits. Yes. The raptor bot. What the hell? That was amazing. (laughs) I kept thinking throughout that entire thing, I want to go to this museum. My son would love this museum. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm not that far away from Missouri, so I could potentially go to Hahatanka. It's not that far away. I I need to Google Hahatanka. I was going to after listening to the, the the audio but i never i never got around to it. it fell on my head yeah but i need to to google haha tonka because i'm very interested in it i would like to see some pictures of it i as as ridiculous as the magical wild goose chase scavenger hunt was like how much gas did they use because 
court is somewhere around Pennsylvania, right? And so they go to Pittsburgh, and then they go to Missouri, and then they go to Palm Springs, and then they go to um, Calixico, and then they go to Utah. Yeah. They're all over the place. Yeah. And it, they're doing it really quickly as well. It doesn't seem like the, the, they have like one night in a campsite. Yeah. 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 It was... It's a lot of very fast travel. Yeah. At least in Silver Shadows when Adrian is tra- chasing after Sydney with Marcus, he kind of comments, oh my God, we're travelling halfway across. We've just been there. This is taking days. It's taking too long. You know, that passage of time is is marked. That's yeah. the other thing. I want to find out about Marcus and does he need to still work underground to be able to get the alchemists who want to break free from the alchemists free? Yeah, and also he's dating Carly. <laughs> Forgot to... I, I left that out of the summary. But they're dating now. So what's going on yeah. with that? And there's, there's, that's it, isn't it? That's it. The, the, do we have? Do we have some short? Although I'm trying to think if there's any additional short stories. She reaches for a bookshelf. Um, I don't know. I uh, I've only read one short, one or two short stories. One at the very, very, very beginning was, and it was Dimitri's point of view of what was happening. And I read something about Adrian, but that was like 10 years ago. But the other thing as well, you shouldn't be wrapping up a storyline in short stories. It should be wrapped up within the main series. I understand using short stories and novellas um, for side um, narratives. Yeah. Like, I I wouldn't mind an Angeline... Story. Yeah, actually, was completely missed out. Apart from oh, I'm tracing at the beginning. She's busy studying. Yeah, because she's staying on at the school and she wants good marks. Yeah. Like, okay, well, Sydney's obviously had a positive effect on her that way, but it kind of also made me think. Well, the Angeline character was completely pointless. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned that before too. She was just there for comic relief. She Until... was there because she was a part of the keepers. So we saw her when they were briefly at the Keepers, and then they just, she just brought her back. You know, like, maybe it would have been better if, you know, at the end, we have Eddie as guardian. Maybe Angeline has been given this responsibility as well. Even though she's not, and she didn't go to all the training and stuff, but she still is a Keeper, and she still is a down peer who's been training in you know, her own way, like the homeschool version of St. Vladimir's. But, you know, maybe maybe she's Jill's guardian. Yeah. Yeah, she's still on Jill detail. So she comes with Jill for the visit at Christmas. Because she's, you yeah. know, she's she's doing the apprenticeship version instead of the the academic version of guardianship. Yeah. That would have been brilliant. Yeah. That would have been brilliant. And it would have, again, made... And See, you're right. Angeline's character was just brought in to make the Keepers have a purpose. 
from Vampire Academy, so therefore they could have been completely missed out now. And the only thing Angeline did, apart from comic relief, and we will still forever thank her for breaking all of those um, anatomical dolls and science laboratory, but was to know, hang on, you guys are up to something, I'm going to follow you and save you from that Strigoi in LA. Yeah. And that's all she did, and I think that's a big disservice to Angeline. Yeah, she did a lot of stuff for them, for her to be a lot. She's just studying. I think she's done a lot of things. She's made a lot of strides in her weird, bonkers, backwoods life to become an actual guardian. This is what she wants. But she's studying. She's studying. Yeah. This book has to be taken as a whole, I think. Dissecting it causes anger and frustration, but to to appreciate it as a whole for its ridiculous slapstick moments. <laughs> yes, there were a lot. There were a lot of good, silly things that happened, and it was a lot of fun, but it wasn't the ending that I think we deserved. I agree. Do we need to say who our favourite character was? Eddie? Yeah. Not Neil? Not Neil. Not, Not the magic baby sex magic boat? magic baby. <laughs> I mean, Adrian too. Always Adrian. Hey, Adrian. Adrian! But other than Adrian. I did like Dimitri coming back and like having important things and doing and doing things and being helpful and being smart and knowing about the communes and all of that stuff. I did appreciate that. But also, again, we didn't need Dimitri and Rose here. No, it was Vampire Academy fan service. It was. And, you know, I said that I read I did a lot of background research. There was a lot of stuff where she was like, well... A lot of people have asked me to add in stuff. So I did. Obviously. I feel like this book was so short and she was like, well, shit. It's not long enough. It's half the length of all of the other books in the series. So, hey, fans, why don't you tell me what I need to add? Oh, that's weak. It's weak. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe we should have just ended it at Silver Shadows where they get married. They get surprise married. And then, you know, the alchemists are pissed about it. And then Jill never gets magically kidnapped. Yeah. And it would have been I- fine because we still would have had basically everything minus the magic baby sex boat. I think one extra chapter on Silver Shadows where, you know, Sydney's granted our freedom from the alchemists. Done. We find yeah. out this uh, law is passed so Jill's free. Done. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have been fine. That's it. And that poor squirrel would never have been let no. loose to probably be viciously killed because it can't cope with the outside world. It was immediately carried away by a hawk. You can't tell me that it wasn't. And that same hawk 
is on the underwear that Wolf gifts Ms. Twilliger. You're right. I'm sorry it wasn't a hawk, it was an eagle. Oh, well, there you go. It was the crotchless panties eagle that swooped away with the squirrel. And then the sexy table just happened to be there. Fear to black. Yes. It's weird saying that there's a squirrel in your crotchless panties. But not inaccurate. <laughs> and on that bombshell, I think it's time for Would You Rather. Oh, it We asked on social Dang it. We asked on social media. Would you rather would you rather your song with your partner be Tainted Love or She Blinded Me with Science? On Facebook it was thirty two percent for Tainted Love and sixty eight percent with She Blinded Me with Science. On Instagram it was sixty percent for Tainted Love. On Twitter, hundred percent for Tainted Love, and on TikTok it was sixty six percent for Tainted Love and thirty four percent for She Blinded Me with Science. Nice. We do have some comments. L twenty Kev on Instagram said Tainted Love, but the Marilyn Manson version featured in the movie Not Another Teen Movie. Yeah. That's probably good... one of the versions we mostly remember. I mean, I listen to a lot of eighties music, so the original is, you know, key for yeah. me, but the Marilyn Manson version was not terrible. Bree Tart on Instagram said, Tainted love, because I am the she in my relationship, and I am horrible at science. Dakota on Facebook said, as a student of forensic science, I love teaching my husband new sciencey things. Therefore, I have to go with she blinded me with science. That and there is something Sydney would totally do to her enemies. She really would, <laughs> except for it probably wouldn't be science. It would probably be magic. But she does Magic know is just a, a science of, science of a different kind. That's true. That's true. Annie on Facebook says, I live with a scientist slash mad inventor. It's definitely going to be blinded me with science. And much like when Sydney talks nerd, I often have no idea what he's going on about, but the finished products are always good. Travis Sharp on Facebook said, I'm going to cheat and say Lady Gaga's bad romance. I'm sorry, Travis, you can't cheat. There is no... Option C. That is a good song, though. Well, yes, granted, it is a good song, but it's not an option. It's not. It's not an option. And that's all the comments that we had. We do not have a comment from Constance in which she sings us a terrible song that Claire refuses to sing. It's it's awful. It's horrible. (laughs) No apology is strong enough. I listened to it and... My ears bled. Do you need to say it in, like, a fancier manner? We could try. Can you be, like, very posh and excessively British? I feel like I need some Maltesers in my mouth. Mm. But Twilight blinded with me with magic. She blinded me with magic and thought that friendship. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, 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 when I'm dabbing on the haters, blinding me with magic, magic. 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 Do you know what I liked about this comment, though? There was Dablin. (laughs) There was Dablin. Dablin bros. Dablin bros. 
also that you had to say dat friendship. Oh, it's just not natural. <laughs> so which <laughs> one do you pick? On. No, we haven't answered ourselves, have we? No, no. Um, which do you pick? I mean, to be fair, She Blinded Me With Science is probably more appropriate, but I'm not particularly keen on that song, so I'm going to go with Tainted Love. I'm going to go with She Blinded Me With Science, even though I I like that song less, like you. But there's a lot of, like, it. I feel like it's a little more romantic. You know, she's poetry in motion. Like, it's nice. It's nice. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't think I like the version of it. And I just, I find it difficult to listen to. So I don't hear the lyrics easily, even though it's very yeah. well enunciated. I just, it, yeah. it, it, it grates in my ears. So I'm going to go with Tainted Love. Yeah, the beep, bop, beep, bop, I don't love it. I don't love it. <laughs> That belongs in the robot museum. It does belong in the robot museum. Whenever the raptor bot opens its mouth, she blinds me with science comes out. Fogianas and she blinded me with science come out. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, speaking of Fotianas. But if you do it to the T-Rex and it's tainted love. Yes. But speaking of Fotianas, would you rather fight Fotianas or the golden brick. Oh. I want to say the golden brick because I feel like at least you could run away from that. Yeah. If you can't do magic spells, like, nice it. You know, if something's hot, you cool it down, solves a problem. Or you could just throw really cold water on it if you don't have ice mm-hmm. magic. Yeah. Whereas the Fortianas, I feel like, would be a bit trickier yeah also they cause the apocalypse yes <laughs> and with the golden brick scene adrian shows up so i pick the golden brick <laughs> for adrian i always i will always choose adrian over the apocalypse <laughs> I mean, okay, given that circumstances, I will pick Adrian over the apocalypse. Yes, would you rather choose... (laughs) That's not a good would you rather question. Who's going to pick the apocalypse? No one. No one. Depends. They might throw... If they're the really diehard alchemists. Yeah, Yeah, they might be into it. Speaking of, would you rather take down the alchemists or the warriors of light? Um, I mean, I, oh, it's tough because the alchemists minus, you know, all of the shittiness and the high speed chases, like they serve a purpose. And have really good stationery. We've discussed Yes. And, you know, they, they play a big part in keeping this vampiric world hidden away from everyone else. So I feel like they are important. And the Warriors of Light are just, you know, like the... Stupid. The stupid, crazy version of the alchemists, like... Who believe in? Yes, they are with the conspiracy theories, and you know they probably have foil hats. Yes, 
we know that they have bomb shelters and, you know, like, canned goods stored for the apocalypse. So, like, I just, I don't... They're, they're the, the doomsday preppers, aren't they? They are. And I think, I think the alchemists serve enough of a purpose. If we can just get rid of all the shittiness, if we can get rid of re-education, I'll keep the alchemists. Okay. And I'll get rid of the warriors of light. I'm with you on that. The warriors serve absolutely no purpose. They've got terrible stationery, terrible people skills. You know, the, the, their, their facilities are basic. Who wants to be basic? Yeah. yeah. They serve no purpose. If we can mm. get rid of the zealot aspect of the alchemists, then that's fine. Yeah. I'm with you there. So, yeah, I agree. Okay. All right. Would you rather fight with fire magic or ice magic? Oh. Fire magic. For the simple point that I could also use it to keep my tea or mm. coffee warm. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> not being excessively British, I prefer my tea cold. So maybe I should choose ice magic if we're only basing it on tea. If we're basing it on beverages, hot or cold. I mean, I prefer a cold beverage to a hot beverage. Yeah. So if that's what My we're going with. My feet are really cold at the moment as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I had some fire magic, I could just make them toasty. And think of the, you know, marshmallow potential. There is a good marshmallow potential. I think fire magic is probably more useful. You can probably, you know, if you were lost in the wilderness, you could cook up a meal. You could cook up a squirrel and eagle. R.I.P. squirrel. Yeah. yeah. You've gone on to crotchless panties in the sky. Um... I think I think it's more useful. So even though we were we were basing it on beverages, I am actually going to choose fire magic. That's fire. That's fine. Last question: Would you rather fight a lava monster or an acid spitting demon? We're taking the lava monster out of the dream, right? Like we're going to pretend yeah. that they're real. The, the the both 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 could result in death, demise, yeah. destruction. Oh, now you see, I feel like I need to change my answer and go ice magic and then fight the lava monster. Right? That is, I was thinking the same thing. I was, like, that was going through my head. But the fire magic is the only thing that beats the acid-spitting demon. Okay, so if I've got fire magic, as I've already said, it's got to be acid-spitting demon so I can defeat that. Solved. It's got to be. Done. Fine. Same. Done. Problem solved. Problem solved. <sighs> Favorite final thought quote? I have four. I did you. <laughs> Look at you, I teased, walking over to her. Fearlessly vanquishing Cashew, the deranged squirrel. <laughs> he wasn't deranged. You were invading his home. Yeah, the and then you set him free to be scooped up by an eagle. And then turned into underwear, crotchless yeah. underwear by wolf. 
Yes. <laughs> I'd rather you have a worthy partner who's a human than a Maroi who can't help you share your burdens. Mm. We loved each other but weren't so selfish about our love that we could simply turn our backs on someone we cared about. Which I think is interesting. It is. And my last quote is, Humans are born into the light, shining good, shining bright. Only evil thrives at night. Let us banish them from our sight. I'm glad you went with that Warriors of Light psalm. It's a good one. It kind of reminds me of House of Night, though. You know how they have yeah. those their short yeah, poems I got that they those do. Vibes as well. Kind of felt a little House of Nighty. Yeah, that's why I went with it. Actually, yeah, I like it. It's a what great reason. Hmm, which one do I want to start with? I was more convinced than ever that everyone needed someone to love, even scattered sorceresses and eye patch wearing self defense instructors. <laughs> I meow you too. Should have seen that one coming. Should have. Smarts and evasive techniques are fine if that's all you've got to rely on, but if you get a chance to be the baddest and strongest, always be the baddest and strongest. Like that one. And finally, we're all fighting our own battles the best way we can. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's true. Yes. Lady at the Dampier Commune. <laughs> all right. If you liked this, try this. Got anything? Um. Yeah, uh, it's not even hashtag tenuous link. I've gone for something completely different because we've come to the end of Vampire Book Club. And seriously, can I you know, recommend the Suki Sackhouse series? No, because we're covering it anyway. So I've gone for a book that I recently pre-ordered and I'm very excited about, and it's called The Atlas Six by Olivia Blake. And the summary from her website is, the Alexandrian society caretakers of lost knowledge from the greatest civilization of antiquity are the foremost secret society of magical academians in the world. Those who earn a place among the Alexandrians will secure a life of wealth, power and prestige beyond their wildest dreams and each decade only the six most uniquely talented magicians are selected to be considered for initiation. When the newest candidates are recruited by the mysterious Atlas Blakely, they are told they will have one year to qualify for initiation, during which time they will be permitted preliminary access to the society's archives and judged based on their contributions to various subjects of impossibility, time and space, look and thought, life and death. Five, they are told, will be initiated. One will be eliminated. The six potential initiates will fight to survive the next year of their lives, and if they can prove themselves to be the best among their rivals, most of them will. Most of them. Most of them. Most of them. What are you recommending? I do have a slight tenuous link, and my slight tenuous link is multiple points of view. But also, there's some characters with the exact same names. So that is also a tenuous link. <laughs> TM. TM. Okay, so 
I am sharing Spellbook of the Lost and Found by Maura Fowley Doyle. One stormy summer night, Olive and her best friend, Rose, begin to lose things, like their magic babies and their lives. Wait, that's not how the story goes. (laughs) It starts with simple items like hair clips and jewelry, But soon, it's clear that Rose has lost something bigger. Something she won't talk about. Then Olive meets three wild, mysterious strangers. Ivy, Hazel, and Rowan. Like Rose, they're mourning losses and holding tight to secrets. When they discover the ancient spellbook, full of hand-inked charms to conjure back lost things, they realize it might be their chance to set everything right, unless it's leading them towards secrets that were never meant to be found. Do you have your last indie spotlight of the year? That is hashtag potentially tenuous to link TM. I do. I do. There's not, there's not much tenuously linking this one. Not really. I kind of got like a alchemist-y vibes just from the, um, like harshness and gruffness of one of these characters. Okay. But anyway, um, this one is called Chasing Daylight by Katie Craddock. What would you do if you discovered that you're only human? part of the time. Luna V. Moon thinks that she is an ordinary girl. She lives in a quiet room at an empty orphanage. She's tended to by a motherly tutor, Eva, and a harsh man named Mr. Shrewd. Mr. Shrewd is a gruff taskmaster who puts Luna through intense physical training. The rooftops around the orphanage are Luna's lone escape, and the stars are her only real company. Every night, Luna takes one last look at the night sky, drinks a tall glass of chocolate milk, and falls asleep. Don't drink the chocolate milk. A mysterious girl claiming to be Luna's long-lost sister breaks into her room to deliver a puzzling message. Luna obeys this ominous warning and discovers that nothing is as it seems. Would you heed the warning? Or would you drink the chocolate milk? I prefer strawberry milk. Strawberry milk? It's not bad. Mm-hmm. I like chocolate milk, though. I do. It's an odd occasion thing. I've got to really fancy it. Is that it? I think that's it. That's it for the Bloodline series. That's it for the Bloodline series. Um, I think we should probably also remind everyone that the fictional Hangover 2022 challenge themes have been posted. So, everyone, take a look at those on all our social media. January is, our theme is Tackle the TBR, read a book from your to-be-read pile, and reward yourself by doing so, by reading another one. (laughs) (laughs) And we are planning to tackle our TBR next month, so you have to, too, really. You're, like, obliged. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, we probably don't need to announce this again because we've already said it a bunch of times, but Vampire Book Club, the last book of the month, we're going to discuss each month as the year goes on. Sookie Stackhouse, the Southern Vampire series, one of its other <laughs> series titles, which I really enjoy. 
Or the True Blood series as well. True Blood, yeah. The Sookie Stackhouse series by Charlene Harris. I'm really looking forward to that. Mine even says a Sookie Stackhouse vampire mystery. Yeah. Anyway. Back in the days when a paperback would cost you $5.99. All right. That's it. That's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover, the last one of 2021. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we tackle our TBRs and discuss Nothing But Blackened Teeth by Cassandra Call. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you'd like this episode, check out our others, a rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.